We return to our public scripture reading, which finds us in Psalm 42. And we have been musing and meditating for the last several weeks, actually on Psalm 42 and 43. Both Psalms expressing the same theme and are thus understood not as independent of each other, but actually two parts of the whole. Together, they compose the lament of a temple singer exiled in the north near the rising of the Jordan who longs to be back at God's house and turns his longing for such things into resolute faith and hope in God himself. In summary then, as we have learned, Psalms 42 and 43 show us the believer's seesaw battle between despair and hope. In verses 8 through 10, it appears that the psalmist meets with some alleviation in the midst of his great adversity. In other words, while his trial is dark, yet it is not a complete blackout. There are definite beams, if you will, of light piercing the darkness of his present circumstances. We see this, first of all, by the comfort of God's unfailing love. The comfort of God's unfailing love. In verse 8, he expresses, By day the Lord commands his steadfast love. The steadfast love is God's hesed. Hesed is the Hebrew word, which translated is steadfast love. That is, God's love that sticks and holds and refuses to let go. It is this love that Romans chapter 8, verses 38 and 39 assures us that nothing in all creation can separate us from. So, even in our darkest hour, there is no reason for despair. No reason. The Lord encircles us, his people, and holds us in his everlasting love. And so we see then that while the psalmist in Psalm 42 and 43 is certainly suffering with what I've already mentioned as spiritual depression, there is that, but he is not in despair. He's not hopeless. He is not hopeless. There's a big difference. Very big difference. Second of all, there is hope in our troubles because of the greatness of who God is. There's hope in our troubles because of the greatness of who God is. The psalmist calls upon the Lord here as, notice, my life and my rock. My life and my rock. By day, 
the Lord commands his steadfast love. And at night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock. Despite the trial of his present circumstances, which he doesn't deny, by the way, you never see him deny his trials, okay? They are there. He's talking to the Lord about them. So, despite the trial of his present circumstances, which he doesn't deny, yet, and here's what's important for us not to miss, yet, what's greater is the God who is his life, the God who is his rock. God is greater than all your circumstances. We see this very same kind of faith in Paul the Apostle in Philippians chapter 1. Turn there to Philippians chapter 1. I want you to see this. Philippians chapter 1. Remembering the historical context of Paul's epistle to the Philippian church, when Paul wrote that letter to the Philippian church, he wasn't writing that letter from a beach, you know, bathing in the sun. He was writing that letter from an awful Roman prison. And here's something else you might not know. He had been in that prison for six years. So I want you to think about this. Six years. Six years he's in a Roman prison incapable of fulfilling his calling as an apostle to the Gentiles planting churches in the Gentile world. For six years... He can't plant any churches. Now think about that as we read this. Starting at verse 12 of Philippians chapter 1, Paul writes, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Does this sound like a brother complaining, murmuring? Feeling sorry for himself, there is no self-pity here. No self-pity. No, Paul's got the big picture. He says, what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard. Clearly, Paul was not keeping his mouth shut with the Roman guards. And to all the rest, that my imprisonment is for who? For Christ. For Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter 
do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition. You mean that can be done? Yes, it can be done. Not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I feel sorry for myself. That is not what he says. He says, in that I rejoice. In that I rejoice. But he goes on. He says, yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ. And to die, what does he say, is gain. What strong faith. What strong, 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 joyful faith. Here's Paul, six years in that awful prison He can't go out. He can't preach the gospel. He can't plant churches. He can't do what God's called him to do. And yet he says, but God has put me here. My imprisonment is for Christ. This is for the advancement of the gospel. But what is ultimate that Paul expresses here, which echoes the faith of Psalm 42, is that he says, for to me to live is Christ. To live is Christ. Colossians 3, 4, chapter 3, verse 4. Christ is our life. Our life. The Apostle Paul, he lived that. He's in these worst possible circumstances and he's not having a pity party. He is rejoicing, rejoicing over what God is doing. I'd say that's a faith worth imitating in a big way. And no different with what we see back here in Psalm 42. Because here he is, I mean, he is just spiritually depressed and yet he's preaching to himself why are you downcast oh my soul hope in God hope in God he's saying this to himself hope in God for I shall yet praise him inferring I shall yet be back with God's people in God's house but not denying his circumstances not turning a blind eye to his circumstances Yet he is encouraged. He, he, he feels relief. He feels relief because the Lord commands his steadfast love. 
the Lord who is the God of my life, who is my rock. That's the faith of a true believer. If you are a man or a woman in Christ, this is your faith. This, 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 is, this is how you live. And granted, we don't feel like this every day. There is still the flesh. But nevertheless, nevertheless, it doesn't change the reality. It doesn't change the truth of who God is. Your circumstances change every day of your life. God never does. God never changes. Never. He is immutable. He's also impassable in how he relates to you. He does not change. And so therefore, everything that God is, he is to you in all your circumstances at all times. And this was the encouragement, this was the comfort, this was the relief that was that shaft of light beaming through the darkness of the psalmist's circumstances of this, this tribulation. He never lost his faith in the Lord because he never lost hope because God is his hope as the Lord is ours. Let's pray. Blessed Father, we thank you, Lord, again for the anatomy of the soul that we see and revealed in the great Psalter. And we thank you, Father, for such a, a time as this was for this dear brother so long ago crying out to you, confessing many things to you, Lord. But we see the working of your grace in his heart and life where he never lost hope in you. There was no losing faith because there was no losing you, Lord. You were the God of his life. You were his rock. And so you are to us, our life, our rock. And how often, blessed Father, do we need to be reminded of such things as this? Truly, we need to be reminded. We thank you for the example of your servant, Paul the Apostle. And how that in the worst possible circumstances, that he found himself in, yet all he expressed was his joy in you, his faith in you. Because you, Lord, was his life. You were his life. To live is Christ. And Father, we know that 
The same is true for all your saints, for all of your people. Because you have brought us into union with Christ. You have united us to Christ. The Lord Jesus Christ is indeed our life, whether we feel that or not. Whether that is in the front of us, in our vision every day or not. It doesn't change the facts. It doesn't change the reality and the truth. And so, Lord, we pray that as we have considered in these last few moments these great things that strengthen and grow a great faith in you. We pray, Father, that by your grace we will take great encouragement from what we see from your word that there is never a reason to despair because you are our great God. You are the Lord who is our life. And thus, while, Lord, we may suffer at times depression, while our souls may experience downcast, Yet we know from the teaching of your word, from its revelation, that we never lose hope. Because, Lord, we never lose you, and you are our great hope. And so we earnestly ask that you will sanctify and seal the truth of what we have considered from your word in Psalm 42 today and even Philippians chapter 1. May the great principles of faith there and the reminder of the greatness of who you are, most importantly, be sealed to our hearts. We pray for the sake of Christ in his name. Amen.